There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. Today we've got a crazy story about a creep who won't leave without getting a date. We'll find out about that compliance, but first a story from Bobby Bumblebee. Welcome to the Unending Notebook Emporium. When I was a student, I earned some extra money by working in a stationery shop in a university town. I only worked at weekends, and since there were no deliveries or post-lecture rushes, we usually had three of us on duty. At first it was me, Electron, a physics student with little time for humans, and Josh the weekend manager. Josh was a surfer dude, always really relaxed, knew that most of the job was BS and freely told us that the only thing he liked was chatting with us and the customers. We developed a great group of repeat customers who liked the store being quieter and being able to talk to us about whatever problem they had. On that basis, Josh had agreed a policy whereby the weekday team did all the scheduled tasks when there were more staff on duty, but on weekends, all we did was fill empty shelves and sales. Unfortunately, Josh's main job as a water sports instructor was really taking off, and his days of selling paper clips were over. Neither I nor Electron had any interest in being responsible for keys, cash balancing, and explaining to sketchy folk why we'd stop selling those little resealable plastic bags. So we didn't inquire about the weekend manager job, and we weren't asked either. Apparently a weekday worker, Susan, wanted the hours. I liked Susan. She often took weekend shifts when one of us was out of town, and she blended in well with our team. But a storm was brewing. The owner had decided that weekend manager was a pointless job title, and that an experienced salesperson could handle the weekend crew. So when Susan was offered the opportunity to run the weekend team, it was not on the management pay scale. It was a $1 an hour supplement. I genuinely did feel sorry for her. Neither me nor Electron would have taken on the responsibility for $8 more per shift. She negotiated him up to $1.50 an hour, but most importantly for her, agreed that though contractually she'd be a salesperson, 
At weekends, she must be referred to as manager. I know because she spent the first month drilling this point home and she printed out a special badge that said manager and then got upset when the store's assistant manager, Alice, told her she wasn't allowed to wear it on weekdays. This created a rift that Alice never forgot. Alice told us when covering one weekend that Susan had also promised everyone that she would whip the weekend team into shape and that Josh had allowed us to become lazy. Alice thought the whole thing was hilarious and said that it was pointless anyway. The owner had far bigger priorities than the store, and as long as we were ticking over a profit, he really couldn't care less about the sales volumes from one week to the next or who worked what shift. To get Susan out of his hair, he'd agreed that if she boosted sales in her first two months, she'd get a reward. And wouldn't you know, in the first two months, which happened to be a new academic year, sales were indeed boosted. She got a $25 gift voucher for another store he owned. And she told Electron and me that it was a clear example of how hard work pays off. We simply needed to apply ourselves and follow her instructions. One Sunday, I was talking to a student who wanted to buy a USB stick for their university work. I was talking about how to back up your data and that a single USB stick might not be sufficient. Electron was explaining something that I didn't understand to someone who I also could not understand. Susan emerged from the small office at the back of the store, where she had started to spend most of her time working on the system. It was very unclear what the system did or why it had worked so effortlessly during Josh's tenure and now required constant babysitting, but her time with the system was unavoidable and critical to our success. This shelf is in full, she said to the open floor. I turned around and she was pointing at a shelf of notebooks. The owner had struck a killer deal on multiple pallets of garishly colored notebooks, and now we had thousands of them in the stockroom. The weekday team had put about a hundred of them onto the shelf, but as they were cheap and selling quickly, a fairly noticeable gap had developed. Normally I'd grab some when I happened to go into the stockroom for something else, but that hadn't happened in a while. I went back to talking to the customer, but then she grabbed my shoulder and jerked it back. OP, she said. When I ask a question, I expect a response. The young guy I was talking to looked horrified and started to back away. Are you buying that, she asked him, pointing at the USB stick in his hands. He shook his head, muttered something apologetically, and put it back on the shelf before rushing out of the shop. Another time waster, she said to me. No more wasting time on chat. You're either at the register selling or you're filling shelves. We've got plenty of notebooks in the stockroom and there's no excuse for empty shelves. I expect every space filled. Then, as she slammed the office door behind her, a light bulb went off in my head. Electron, I said. Did you hear her say every space? He nodded and started to smile. He apologized to his customer for no longer being permitted to talk to them and we started a Herculean tag team effort in the stockroom. I brought out the first batch on the trolley and filled the notebook shelf. It looked pretty good. We were waiting for a shipment of printer paper, so there was a big gap in that section. Not anymore. I stacked those notebooks a yard high. I thought Susan might hear the noise and come out, but she was far too busy. Electron spent time manning the register, but mostly we were filling shelves. Until eventually we had filled the shelves. It looked like a kid had eaten a pack of highlighters and spewed across the entire store. I realized though that she'd said every space, not every shelf. 
I created a new tower near to the office door. It was a majestic sight, almost six feet high in the center. Electron crowned with a roll of sparkly glitter tape. To me, it was my Washington Monument. It was at this point that I heard it. What the heck? See, the one thing I knew that no one else did was that Alice was coming in at the end of the day to collect some paperwork. Welcome to the Unending Notebook Emporium, I said, and then told Alice how we had been berated earlier in the day and that we were now following Susan's strict instructions. Thankfully, Alice thought this was hilarious. She did ask, though, how Susan had failed to notice what we were doing. She's been working on the system for the last three hours, I explained. Alice went up to the door, but rather than knocking on it, she just flung it open. Susan had been sitting on the office chair with her feet on the desk reading a novel, but had jolted herself so violently that the chair had shot out from behind her and she was now rolling around on the floor. Alice closed the shop, told Electron and me that she'd get things straightened out, and we should report as usual the following weekend. I wish I could say that Susan was fired and that Alice had taken over weekend management, but for some reason Alice and the store manager decided to give her a second chance. Susan did have to stay late to move all of the notebooks spread across random shelves to my notebook tower, though I must say with less architectural flair than I had done. It still stood, although slightly diminished, a week later when I came back for my next shift. I've no idea what was said to Susan after the store closed, but she never wore the badge or shouted again. She also spent a lot more time on the floor and started to give us extremely clear instructions with absolutely no ambiguity. This was a great source of amusement for Electron, who occasionally played up to it. My personal favorite being when he asked if selling as much printer ink as possible meant he should lower the price to one cent. A few months later, both Electron and I finished our degrees and left. Neither of us worked in retail again. Electron went on to gain a PhD in physics and we're still in touch but I still have no idea what he's talking about or what he does for a living. Alice later took over as the store manager, and Susan, as far as I can make out, left a couple of years after me and now works as the assistant manager of a nearby supermarket. I like to think that she treats people better now, but who knows? At the very least, I hope that every time she sees a notebook, she remembers the day that she spawned the unending notebook emporium. Do you guys see these jobs working as a shelf stalker, a cashier, jobs that honestly you just probably wouldn't take too seriously? You know, ones where you would joke around and stock all the shelves full of notebooks or try to slip in some killer discounts for people here and there? Or do you guys think it just depends on how the management is? I'd like to know what you guys think in the comments down below. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. That said, our next story is from Sia Moose. Pay your staff less than your colleagues? Lose them all. I'm going to try to keep this kind of vague because 1. I like the elected official as a person, just not as a boss. 2. I like what they're trying to accomplish in terms of policy. And 3. I don't want this to blow back on me because I'm still in this field. I've spent most of my career working for elected officials. Over the course of my career, I've worked for elected officials at the federal, state, and local level in progressively more involved policy roles. In between, I've done some higher paying private sector jobs, but I have twice taken pay cuts to return to public service working for electeds because I genuinely love the work. The flip side of that is that it's been hard to afford to live in my area on that lower salary. 
Earlier this year, I was still making less than my last job after two years in this office. In early spring, we were talking with one of our colleagues on the shared staff, and she made an offhand comment about how our office had the worst pay of any office for our legislative body. She ended up sharing information about how much other offices pay their staff with our whole office. Turns out, she was more right than she knew. Our office had some of the most experienced staff of any office, and bar none the lowest pay, even relative to less experienced offices that were less active. Our highest paid staff, other than our manager, didn't crack the 40th percentile on our floor, despite 20 years of experience. I topped out in the 30th percentile for pay, with 8 years relevant experience. I would estimate the average is closer to 3-5 to five years experience for my level of pay. Colleagues I had worked with previously, who I knew had 3 fewer years of experience, were making 20% more than I was with similar or less involved responsibilities. So I did a full analysis of the pay on my floor relative to experience and set up a meeting with the elected to discuss salary, which did not go well. I was told that aside from annual increments, there would be no pay raises and essentially that I should be happy I had a job. The fact that I'd been loyal was irrelevant, as was the fact that anytime there was some weird issue we wanted to explore, I was able to find a solution. Me making less than colleagues in other offices with less experience was not their problem. I was told that if I wanted more pay, I would have to find something new. So after telling my colleagues about the ugly meeting, I did exactly that. I started applying for other jobs in our government, found one that I was highly qualified for, got an interview almost immediately, aced the interviews, and three months later, the hiring process is a joke started with a 65% increase in take-home pay. After hearing about how poorly my salary meeting went, my colleagues didn't bother having their own meetings and just started their own searches. Come the start of the next legislative body after the elections, the only person left will be a new hire that started right before this nonsense went down, and a new comms person who started right after I left. Anyone with institutional knowledge about how the body functions? or any knowledge about the policy issues they care about has either left or has accepted a new position. Well honestly, I just think this overall situation sucks because whatever elected body this is, is probably not going to get anything done. Also, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about, but it goes to show that even if you love something enough to take less pay, there seems to be a point where you're aware that you're just not getting compensated well enough that you just gotta put your foot down, I guess. I mean, when you see a 65% pay increase, it's hard to say no to something like that, I'll tell you what. And our final story of the day is from Ancient Educator 76. I'm not leaving without a date. Some real quick malicious compliance here. I work at Mendy's, your favorite fast food place. We have interesting clientele that varies from snooty to homeless and just looking for food and shelter to screaming at fellow patrons and accusing them of child predation. This one takes the cake in its brevity and clear maliciousness. Man comes through the line who always sexually harasses our young 8-month pregnant employee, Alex. She dreads his daily quips, but today he crossed multiple lines. When she handed out the food, I pushed to do it for her and then got a new order so she just did it. I hear her yell, leave me the freak alone, 
He says to her, Oh, don't play like that. I ain't leaving without a date. She's about to get madder and then suddenly changes her tune. She says, You know what? We'll just see. She was borderline flirty and I was confused. She lets me in on her plan. She calls the cops on him for putting hands on her. He stroked her arm while she handed out the food. He's waiting in the front lobby for 30 plus minutes. The cops show up, talk to Alex, Wendy's manager who didn't know much except the history of harassment, yada yada yada, he finally gets his court date. Do you guys agree with me here that the most disappointing thing about this story is the fact that the manager is so blasé? to the point where they almost don't really know or care. The fact that there's some like secondary witness that was probably like, oh yeah, I know, they they harass her. Why has this dude been allowed inside this store over and over to the point where there is enough to even have a court date? I feel like this manager not only failed their staff, but failed at their job. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy compliance story, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 